from the book of Proverbs chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, go there with me tonight. And while you're flipping, you can also find um, Mark chapter 10. But let's start in Proverbs 1 tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says in verse 20 that wisdom calls aloud outside. Who's calling aloud? Answer that for me. Wisdom is. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. We've looked at the Amplified translation of this together for weeks and months now, but it essentially says the same thing, but I like the way the Amplified puts it. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, raises her voice in the markets, at the heads of the noisy intersections is where wisdom is crying out. We've been talking for months about being in that place right there, in those intersections. And what is an intersection? Just a place where two paths meet, and you have a choice to make about what direction you're going to be going. And I'm so thankful that that's where God put his wisdom, that he didn't hide it somewhere at the top of some mountain. We've talked about that. He didn't put it in some faraway place that to make you seek it out, search it out, and strive to find it. He put his wisdom out there in the street, out there in the markets, there in the intersections. Why? Because that's where we are. That's where we're living life. And there's really nothing sacred. There's nothing holy, Sarah, about any of these locations. The only thing that makes them significant is that's where we're living life. And that's where God put his wisdom. And we've been talking so much about specifically the wisdom of God that cries out in those intersections. And I want to remind you again, as we're talking about the wisdom of God, that this is one of the things that so defined and characterized and marked the ministry of Jesus that absolutely astounded people. When you and I think about his ministry here on this earth, one of the things we so quickly think of is the miracles, the miracles, the miracles, right? And the messages that he preached. And of course, all of those things pointed straight to who he was and where he was from. But one of the things that I think we miss so, so much of the time is what so astonished people was the wisdom that came out of his mouth. The scripture tells us that. They said, where does he get this wisdom? And it was in times like that, they said, we know who you are. We know where you're from. Your family's from down the street here, but where do you get this wisdom? In other words, we, we know where you're from, but these words sound like they're coming from somewhere else. Well, they thought they knew where he was from. But this is one of the things that so characterized his life and his ministry. Should it be any different for us? I mean, I'm looking forward to that time when people hear me speak and say, we know where you're from, but those words sound like they're coming from somewhere else. That doesn't sound like you. That sounds, you know, smart or something. But uh, this kind of wisdom is available to us. Proverbs tells us it's the principal thing, instructs us to go get it, go get understanding. Well, if wisdom is so crucial to live in our lives, the next question ought to be, where is it? right? You want me to go get it? Where do I go? And these are the places that wisdom is located, right there in the streets, in the markets, and at those intersections. And for months, we've been talking about that crossroads and hearing the voice of the wisdom of God crying out to us in the crossroads. 
And how many months now have we been talking about this? Since January, now we're almost to May, tonight as we're recording this. So we're talking four or five months now we've been talking about this. And just a couple of weeks ago when you and I were in uh, Alma, Arkansas, Beyond Church, I, I, I sensed the Lord saying, go back over it again, go back over it again. And I was sitting there at the house that night getting ready to preach it. And I saw something in this that even after all these months of looking at this verse over and over again, I saw it and I thought, man, how did I miss this before? And to me, it was so simple, yet it was so profound. And I went back and looked at it and realized wisdom is doing what? Calling aloud, raising her voice, crying out. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Evidently, God wants you to have this. I'm sorry if that's way too simple for you tonight, but that really helped me when I realized that he's not hiding something from me. He, he wants me to have this so much so that he would put wisdom right in the place where I need it the most and have wisdom crying out, Jeremy, Jeremy, turn here, change directions, change course, course correct right here, right now. And I'm so grateful that that's where God put his wisdom. And, and we've talked so much about how to not miss these turns in these intersections, why people miss these turns because they got bad directions, they're moving too quick, got easily distracted, don't like being told how to drive. I mean, we've, we've talked about all these things. Tonight, I believe, unless the Lord leads us in some other different way over the next few weeks and months, I believe we're gonna wrap this part of it up tonight. And I wanna do that by going together to the book of Mark, chapter 10. And I want to read some of this briefly to you. And then we want to tell you guys some of the good things that are happening in our life and in this ministry. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says, <clears throat> now as he was going out on the road, everybody say on the road. On the road. Now this is talking about Jesus, but, but there's no word in scripture that is without significance. Okay. Don't let the details of this pass you by. Where is he? He's on the road. Now, what do we already know from the scripture we looked at like 14 seconds ago? What else is out there in the road? What else is out there in the street? The wisdom of God. And Jesus was going out on the road and one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So get the picture again. Jesus is where? On the road. And here comes one running. So you get the sense of urgency that this guy is coming to Jesus with, right? He comes running. He comes sliding in there on his knees and he knelt before him. And he said to him, good teacher, if you couple this with some of the other accounts, he said, good teacher, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you fast forward to the end of this whole encounter, what you know about this guy is that he's rich. He's got some stuff. The Bible actually says he had great possessions. If the Bible says you have great possessions, you got great possessions. But it's interesting to know that about him and still see this void on the inside. He's coming with this urgency, this expectancy, and he's come to the right place. He's come to the right person. He's running to Jesus, kneels down before him. Why? Because all this stuff evidently doesn't satisfy. 
Now, I know we're sitting up in here with our Bibles on our laps going, mm-hmm, that's good, amen, the stuff doesn't satisfy. But do you really believe that? Do I, Sarah, do we really believe that there is not any physical or natural or material or financial thing that could satisfy on the inside? I mean, do we really actually believe that? Or if we were to go back and take stock and inventory of how much of our thought life is given to what we don't have and what we wish we did have. Because if we did have it, it would do this for us and everything would be okay. But it can't satisfy. It can't satisfy. It couldn't satisfy then and it can't satisfy now. So he's come to the right place and what's he in search of? eternal life. So Jesus talks to him. They have a conversation. I won't get into all of this tonight. But when the, the young guy said to Jesus, you know, all these things that you're talking about, I've kept all these things from my youth. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him. So whatever Jesus is about to say is coming out of this place of love. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But notice what happened in verse 22. He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. So again, help me out. Where did this whole thing go down? Where did all of this take place? On the road. Whether this guy realizes it or not, he is in the intersection of all the intersections in life, this is the biggest, the greatest intersection that any human has ever found themselves in, where they have heard Jesus, who is and was the embodiment of the wisdom of God, crying out to them in that intersection saying, follow me. Now, what's interesting is when you look this word, follow me, you look that up, it literally means take the same road I'm taking. It's a compound word. I don't claim to understand all this, but one of the words means unity and the other word means road. In other words, same road. Come get on this road that I'm on. So this guy comes from his direction, whether he realizes it or not, he's in an intersection and he's come to the right place and the voice of the wisdom of God says, let's go this way. But what happened? He went, the scripture said, away. Can you see all the directional things that are taking place just right here in this? Jesus is headed this way. This guy comes to the intersection. Jesus says, let's go this way. Follow me. I've got the thing you're looking for. But he went away, completely missed his turn right there in that intersection. And what caused him to miss it was not understanding how much this invitation from Jesus was actually worth. And he put the goodness of having some stuff up on the same level as the goodness of an invitation from Jesus to follow him and take this road. And he decided the stuff was more valuable and he went away sad. Now I wish that this guy had just hung around for even just a few more minutes because this is what he would have heard. Jesus talked to his disciples a little bit about it. He, he, he said, look, it's, it's hard to get a rich man, one who trusts in riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. And 
but then he added to it, with men it's impossible, but, with, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Somebody say left all. Left all. Left all. Can you imagine being Peter or any one of the other disciples standing there and watching this whole thing go down? I mean, after their encounter with Jesus, after their experience with him, and you got to go back and remember what that was. They were out in a boat. They were just doing what they do at work. And Jesus approached them and said the same thing to them that he said to this guy. Two words, follow me. Come get on this road I'm on. And their response, I mean, you could not get more opposite to what we just saw here in this intersection. Peter and the boys left everything on the spot. How? Why? I don't know, actually. But there was a draw coming out of the eyes, coming out of the mouth, and coming out of the heart of Jesus that so grabbed their heart. And really the only other information they had from him was, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And we have the luxury of 2,000 years of going, oh, okay, I get that. Fishers of men, right? We're, we're souls being saved and all that. Can you imagine hearing that for the first time? What's that mean? That's just cryptic. What's that even mean? Fishers of men. Peter's like, I don't know, but I'm going, man. I am on my way. And he left all. He left that net, the Bible says. He left the boat. Other guys left their family, their father in the boat. And they left everything and followed Jesus. So imagine having that experience in your life and then watching, the, watching somebody else get that same two-word invitation and standing there thinking to yourself, wow, watch what's about to happen. This guy's about to get his world absolutely rocked and changed and things are going to be different from here on out, buddy, man. You're going to get what you came for. And then all of a sudden that guy turns around and walks away sad. You can hear it in Peter's voice. We, we left everything and followed you left all and followed you. And this is what Jesus said in response to that. And I wish that that guy who had some stuff had hung around just long enough to hear Jesus say this in verse 29. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, watch this now, for my sake and the gospels, for my sake and the gospels, motivated by Jesus' sake and the preaching and the establishing of the gospel. And Jesus said, nobody's left anything for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now. Come on, shout it out. Now. Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, what? Eternal. Eternal life. The thing that guy came running to Jesus to find. And he decided that the stuff outweighed the life. He decided stuff was more valuable than life. And if he had just hung around for a few minutes, he would have found out. This is what I want to say to you tonight. He would have found out that leaving something is not losing something. Are you with me? 
See, when Jesus said, go sell what you've got, give to the poor and come follow me, he heard that, but immediately he thought, you mean I got to lose all of this? But that's not the thought at all because Jesus just moments later explained, hey, leaving something's not losing something. And he used this terminology to describe what would happen. He said, you would receive now in this time a hundredfold. That's, that's agriculture. That's, that's what we talk about when reaping in a harvest. So evidently, leaving something's not losing something. Leaving something is sowing something. This guy had it all wrong. And Jesus replied to Peter and said, there's nobody, you included, that's ever left anything for my sake in the Gospels that will not receive what? Way on out there in heaven in eternity? No. Now. Now in this time, a hundredfold. If, and here's the big key, if they're motivated by his sake and the gospels. This scripture, babe, in Mark 10, 29, and 30, I mean, how many years would you say this has been our life scripture? Well, I'd say right before Justice was born, so nine years. Yeah, but at eight, least. Uh, ten years. I yeah, getting ten close years. to yeah. ten years. Sarah and I, when we got married, uh, met and got married in 2007, most of you know the story. It was a whirlwind romance. Met. Three months later, we were engaged. Three months after that, we were married. And that was almost 12 years ago now. And the Lord did an amazing thing when He gave me her. Uh, and it has been an awesome road since then. But when we got married, we never even lived in the same state until we got home from our honeymoon. And as soon as we got home, we went to work together in the ministry. I was a youth pastor for my parents in their church at Eagle Mountain Church in Fort Worth. I had been for about four years. Then we got married. We youth pastored together for a couple of years. And then shortly after that, uh, we began traveling full time uh, for my grandparents' ministry, Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And we were going into churches and ministering in churches and, and being a part of conferences and seeing places around the world and really loving it, really having a wonderful, wonderful time. We loved it. And to be honest with you, I never, I never really imagined that there'd be something other than that. I grew up in a house and in a family where we were very dedicated to the call and the assignment on my grandparents, the, the, the patriarchs, if you will, of our family, and their obedience to step out now over 50 years ago in obedience to the call of God on their lives. And, and man, everybody in my family, they had their place in that ministry. And, and I felt like we had ours and um, wasn't really looking for anything else. But on the night before Thanksgiving, 2009, Sarah and I were just laying in bed in that first little house we owned together and laying in bed one night. It was dark in the room. We were staring up at the ceiling and we just started talking. And I don't, I, I don't remember any conversations about this before that time, but we just started talking out loud and dreaming out loud about having our own. And I'll be honest with you, they were we were saying things I wasn't totally sure I was allowed to be saying. <laughs> Is this okay? Should I be whispering? I mean, we're talking about stepping out here. We're talking about 
talking about not being employed at this ministry anymore. And, and I'll be real honest with you. When you work for mom and dad and Mimi and Papa, there's a certain level of job security that you feel like you enjoy. Um, but the Lord began talking to us and this conversation she and I were having quit being Jeremy and Sarah talking to each other. And it started being Jesus speaking to me through her and through her to me. And we began to hear the voice of the Lord coming out of each other. And that's something that husbands and wives, we've got to develop in. There's got to be enough. I have got to have enough reverence and respect for the grace and the call and the anointing of God on this woman to know when it's Sarah talking to me and know when it's Jesus talking through her and the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord coming out of her. Now, I love it when it's Sarah, but when it's Jesus, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's worthy of respect and honor. The same thing's true going both ways. And that's what was happening that night. And uh, you, can, you can talk about what you remember that from that night, but I just remember talking about land. I remember talking about like having our own like expansive place. We talked about being up in the mountains somewhere where it was almost like a ranch and we just had land where, where we could raise our family and we could have our own ministry and we could have people that serve God with us and we could have places where other ministers could come and, and get refreshed and get built up and get strengthened. And, and that night we began talking about things that, well, go ahead. No, well, we just, I think we saw the vision for the first time and it was just a perfect picture of what God was seeing for us. And it got so big in us that what we were doing wouldn't satisfy us anymore. And you kind of come up to that point, like, I'm either going to stay where I'm at and I'm just going to live and I'm just going to, um, what, what's the word? Um, sort of exist. Exist yeah. and just keep living or I'm going to go after something that's more than what I'm just currently stuck in. And um, we were thankful. We, we loved what we did. We were happy. But there just came a point where that vision and that call got bigger than what we were doing. And we had to just go for it. And if we didn't, we were going to be not satisfied with life. And we were going to be um, held back. So uh, we, be we began to see this place. And all I remember is when we talked about it, we saw cabins. Yeah. And we saw a place where we could bring ministers in and love on them and bless them, do legacy summits. I don't know if you guys know this um, ser these services that we've done before in the past, these conferences, but basically we just bring ministers in and we tell them thank you from the Lord. Tell them thank you for what they do for the kingdom. Bless their families. You just don't even know until you travel all over the world what people are going through, what ministers are going through, what they deal with, what they need, how they need to be refreshed, how they need to be built up, how they need to they need your help. And we felt the call to ministers we also saw we i mean back then we called it i remember calling i think we called dan and talked to him about it because yeah. dan was on our board i think at the time but we yeah. just we um are going to be on our board i guess yeah, when we, we started our ministry yeah, right. but we just had a big vision we saw land and we saw the mountains oh the mountains um we saw cabins we saw a church legacy church we saw leg legacy ranch now that didn't all come in that night, you know. I mean, well, but I mean, a lot of it did. But we, and I think this is a big key in this. We talked it with each other, 
And we kept talking about it in days and weeks and months, and we would talk about it, pray about it. And I, you gotta give, you gotta give it that kind of time. When the Lord starts dealing with you about something, let it grow on the inside. Yeah, but it just got so big, and finally we just went to our boss um, at work, and we said, "Look, this is what God's showing us. What do you think about this? Do we need to go for this." And he's, I think he knew that our vision had gotten. It had gone beyond where we were yeah. and we needed to step out. So we gave our notice and I was about to have a baby. Yeah. We're quitting our jobs, about to have a baby. That seems really smart, right? So um, <laughs> we did. And, um, you know, we stepped out in faith. We left our job security right. for the first time in our life. We had no job, no salary, no guarantee of anything, still had a house payment still had all the extra stuff. I mean, we we weren't debt free then, I don't believe. And we just had all this and there was something so big stirring on the inside of our heart that we had to go for it. And we did. That was the first time we've ever done this where we left our family, where we left the things that we knew. And we did it to a degree, but we didn't know that we were going to be it was going to be required of us to do it even more in the and, future. And did you notice that that's specifically who Jesus identified, that there would come a time in the life of every believer that there'd have to be a leaving. And if you notice who he identified, it was all family. His house and land, but then everybody, every other person he mentioned was a family. And you go back and look through the scripture, and there's more than once, more than twice, where Jesus called people, Luke chapter 9, to follow him, same two words, take this road. And they said, let me first go home. Let me first go back to my father. Let me first go home and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, anybody who's put their hand to the plow and looking back, looking back where? Home. If you're doing that, he said, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And there was something significant about leaving family. And it's not because like we weren't having this conversation born out of any kind of frustration or born out of uh, discontentment other than something growing in our own hearts. But there was a point where we had to come where we changed where our dependency lied. And it was easy. Like I said, job security, right? There's a certain level of dependency. And Jesus helped us identify where we had more faith. Mm -hmm. And I believe that every single person that is ever going to be used mightily by God has to do this at some point in their life. If you want to be used by God, you have to do this at some point in your life. I have seen so many people do this. And, you know, I've talked to people that I highly respect in the ministry, and they've, they've explained this to me in common terms, which I often need. <laughs> But they said to me, you know, um, unless you do this at some point in your life, you don't qualify for more. For more. You don't qualify for the hundredfold. Mm -hmm. He says, whoever does this, if you'll do this, you receive this hundredfold return. A lot of people say, well, hasn't Jesus qualified us for everything? Isn't, isn't that grace? Well, Jesus has qualified us for many things. Health, life, health, peace, you know, all these things. But there are some things in the scripture that it's very clear 
that you don't qualify unless you do what he's called you to do. And I've really seen this in life that anybody that is used greatly by God has done this at some point in their life. I could tell you story after story about people on my staff that have done this and they would come, they came to me and told me, Hey, the Lord dealt with us to move to Texas. We're leaving where we're at. Jordan and Courtney did this. They left Branson. They left what they had there. The Lord's dealing with us to move to Texas. And not until they told me that the Lord dealt with them to move to Texas, did God tell me to hire them. Isn't that amazing? It's like, it's something between them and God. It's something between all of us and God. This is not none of i just i just believe that people have to come to terms with who their source is in every area of their life that's what it's about and you get to the point where you're like you you find out and you'll come you'll hit this wall in different areas of your life you'll hit it with your finances you'll hit it with um your security like how how who you (laughs) Basically, I think that people, the first, the first place you hit that wall is when you come up to the place where you have to recognize that God is my source of love and security. I'm not looking to anybody else to love me or make me feel loved, to make me feel wanted. God's my source of love. He's my source for finances. He's my source for everything in this life. And you'll hit that at some point in your life. You'll hit that. And the the decision that you make at that point will determine what you qualify for in life. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready and you can handle it. And so it's a wonderful thing. It's good. It seems hard, but it's really wonderful. And you will see the hundredfold return on it if you do it. And it, it has to be done with this understanding, I'm leaving something, but I'm not losing something. Have you ever seen anybody in a marriage, especially early on in a marriage, try to cleave without the leave? And that we, we use that expression to leave and to cleave. That's the scripture. That's one of the first things you hear in the scriptures in the book of Genesis. For this cause, let a man, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Well, it's not like, you know, sayonara suckers. I'll never see you again. I don't want to talk to you ever. That's not the leaving. It's the changing of dependency. It's the changing of covenant. It's the changing of security. In other words, no longer are you my source, but together we're going to God as our source. But bad things happen in marriages to people who try to cleave without the leave, right? And it's very limiting. It's very stifling. Well, the same thing would be true here. I'm trying to go on in God, trying to pursue the plan, trying to pursue the kingdom of God while I hang on to stuff he asked me to leave. And it doesn't work. But our testimony is that, yes, we left that. And to this day, I'm not exactly sure how this happened. But for eight months, we didn't take a salary. Uh, We had no paycheck of any kind, but we did not go backwards financially. I think maybe more money came in somewhere else, or we just, we never lacked for one one, good thing. Not one day, not one (laughs) moment. That was so awesome. And when the time came, uh, the board of the ministry that we had set up voted and and put in salaries for us. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't that long until our new little ministry was doing more for us financially than when we were employed at the big one. Thank you. Now, again... These financial things, all that kind of stuff, wonderful, doesn't satisfy. But what does satisfy, 
was getting out there <laughs> and experiencing God for ourselves, walking by our own faith, living by our own faith, and seeing Him do things in our family that I do not believe He could have done had we not left. Right? Amen. There is no joy like doing the work of the kingdom. Yeah. No joy. There's nothing that satisfies like it. And so I don't know if you guys have heard that song that we wrote, but if I search the world from that song, Treasure, if I search the world, I'd find nothing compares to the joy that I found in you. And that's, it's one thing to think, oh, this is for preachers. This is for people that are called to do this. But this is not just preachers that Jesus is talking to here. This is... All of us, because every one of us has to come to the recognition at some point in our life that we have a ministry somewhere, somehow. And there is a place that we're called to do that ministry. It is not just for people in the fivefold ministry. It's for every single one of us that we're called and we have a ministry and you have to, at some point, until you start doing that and living that, you can have a job on the side, great. But what's your ministry? What are you living for? What gives you breath? What, what makes you want to get up every day? What, why do you even, why are you existing? You know, at some point you come to terms with it. Man, what, am I just on autopilot here? Or am I wanting to thrive? Am I wanting to go and be a blessing to people? What am I doing with my life? I'm not here to just be happy and healthy. That's wonderful, yeah. But I've got God has a plan for my life. He has a ministry for me, a specific ministry for me. And that is usually, which is interesting that we'll move over to this area. I don't know if you're ready to get into this yet. But I believe that God has called us to do that in the local church. God loves the local church. His heart is so passionate about the local church. And um, I was thinking about this yesterday. The Lord kept reminding me of all these scriptures. David in Psalm 63, he says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. And I can only find it where? In the sanctuary. I love it in Psalm 27. He says, one thing I have asked for, one thing I desire is to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. One thing. What is that? That's the most important thing. Jesus with Mary and Martha in the book of Luke, what did he say? He said, Mary has chosen the one thing that is needful. The one thing. And what was it? To sit at his feet and to hear his word. Where do you do that? Where do you get the anointed word that changes your life every day, every week, month after month, year after year? Where do you get that anointed word? It's not just at home, in your bedroom, by yourself. It's in the local church. And if you think about it, man, I, I, <laughs> David, I'm talking about the psalmist, but he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What is that? That's a sanctuary. 
That's the local church. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Why? What is that? That's together in the congregation. That's in the sanctuary. What happens there? It's like the dew. Or that it's a picture of the oil, the anointing that flowed down over them from the top of their head all over them to their feet. What is that? He says, and there God commanded the blessing. There is a blessing in the sanctuary. And you can't do life without it. You can't have real life without it. Without being in the local church, the body that you are called to, you can't do it. You can't just have it. I have for years been crying out to the Lord, Lord, where is my sanctuary? Where is the place that you have called me to be? Where is it? Get me there. Now, for my whole, for the last 14 years, my home church has been Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. And I get there as often as I can because I get in that sanctuary and I see and I behold the beauty of the Lord unlike anywhere else that I go. And when I found that place where I behold his beauty and where I experience his presence and it's real and it's tangible to me and I get that anointed word that I need from my family, I got to get there. I heard my pastor say one time, he said, the quality of the word that you hear will determine the quality of life that you live. You got to find out where that word is. You got to find out where your family's supposed to be fed. And God is calling you to that place. Some of you guys already know where that is. Some of you are already plugged into that body and you know, but I'm telling you that local body, it touches a place in your heart that nowhere else will ever touch, will never be able to touch. God loves the sanctuary. He loves when his people get together, the people that he's called together, that he's joined you with. You are supposed to be joined to someone. And when you get with those people, your heart does something that it doesn't do anywhere else. It is so amazing. And I'll just tell you this. I was thinking about all these things, how God was just putting this on my heart yesterday, how much he loves the sanctuary, how much he loves his people coming together in the local church. And I was praying about these things as I was was thinking about it. I was remembering my childhood in church. And I remembered my parents always kept me in church. They kept me around the anointing. Always. If there's one thing they did perfect, it was that. And you know, as a parent, if you're a parent or if you have parents, you know that none of us are perfect in that regard. I mean, we have moments, but there is one thing we can do. We can put them around God and his people and his things and his anointing and his presence and show them what's the most valuable, what's most valuable to us. And I remember being a little kid, and Jordan could remember this and and Josh, but we were in church. We would be in night after night, what they'd call revivals, and they'd be playing songs, people singing. And and not a, I remember this one church particularly that we grew up in. It wasn't a real big church, but the presence of God was there, and it was real. 
And I remember singing song after song about Jesus and his presence filling up the room and it being rich and experiencing him and knowing it was him, hearing the word preached, the anointed word that totally built a foundation for our family, the rock that we have built our life on, that real solid word that was life-changing. Week after week, usually a couple times a week, month after month, year after year after year, building a foundation for our family. You can't do life well without it. And I remember being so little and so tired that I'd fall asleep under the pew. You know, I'd be sleeping down. We'd be coloring. We colored pictures. We, I mean, we, we did everything. Played Game Boys, colored pictures, sprawled out on the floor. And I have to wake my little brothers up after church was over. You know, all of us are tired. But you know what? We were in his presence and we were around his anointing. And I'll never forget what it felt like to be with God. I'll never forget his amazing presence. And I'm telling you, when I got older and I was in junior high and high school and I was around people that didn't love him and weren't serving him and didn't live life like my family lived, I could recognize that it felt different than what I was used to every day, week after week after week. I knew the difference. And it when I'd be away from, uh, from the presence of God and I'd be over with these friends, I knew I just need to get home to his presence. Because that's what I was used to. And I always tell people, keep your children around the anointing no matter what you do. Because if they get used to that, that'll be home to them. It'll feel like home to them. And it'll satisfy them like nothing else. And when they get older and they grow up, they'll want God. They'll want to be with Him. And they'll have a firm foundation beneath their feet. All that to say, when I was little, I fell in love with the sanctuary. I fell in love with his anointing. I fell in love with his presence. And isn't that how David was? You know that scripture in Psalm 63 when he says, I, uh, he says, oh God, you are my God. You know where he is in that scripture? He is off in the hills, in the mountains of Engedi in Israel. And he is off out in the wilderness running from King Saul. He's out there by himself, and he's away from the courts of the Lord. Remember back then, they just had the, um, the tabernacle, and it was a place you had to get there physically. He couldn't get to it, and that's where God's presence dwelt. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be with God. He wanted the real thing, and until, unless you have experienced the real thing, you don't know what it's like. But when you do, you want more of it. You want to be satisfied. You want to be back in his presence. David's way away from the courts of the Lord. It's not like today when we can just talk to him at any time, at any place, at any moment. He is far out there in the wilderness and he is hungry and he is thirsty for God. He wants him again. He wants to be with him. He knows what it feels like to be with him, to really be with him. And he's out there in these in this wilderness have you ever felt like you were in a wilderness, like a dry place? And you want more of him? You want what he has for you? He's off out there in the wilderness. And he says this in Psalm 63. He says, oh, God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. I'm hungry for you. I want more. I want more. Have you ever felt like there's more? Well, that means that there's more. 
you can be sure if you felt like there's more, there's more. There's more. There's deeper places to go in God. There's more that he has for you and your family. There's more, 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 more. And he's out there. And he wants God. I mean, think, I'm just, I can't get away from this. God himself wants more for you. He wants you to have it more. And he's out there in this wilderness and he's crying out. And he just cries out and he says this, I have looked for you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Oh, in your sanctuary. He just wanted to get back to God's presence. He He just had to get there. Well, where is that for you? Where is that? And you may know a lot of you in this room where that is. But if you're going to live life happy, anchored, satisfied, thriving, you have to find out where that is. And you have to get there. And you have to give your life. You have to leave whatever it is to get there. You have to, you have to want it more than where you're currently at, where you're currently comfortable. And this is, this is the result. This is so central to the life of every believer and to your success and to your prosperity that the scripture says in the Psalms that he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. He sets the solitary in a family. Actually, it flips that. It says he sets the solitary in a family and brings out those who are bound into prosperity. So evidently, your prosperity and mine has everything to do with you being set in the family that he set you in. And I look back on what we were talking about a moment ago in our own story, in our own life, and I don't know why this thought had never occurred to me until just now when you're talking about this, but I'm actually pretty thankful that there wasn't Um, a fat paycheck (laughs) on the other side of of walking away from the job because I look back on it now and I can say that the only motivation for doing what we did and for leaving was his sake in the gospels. That was it. That's the only thing it could have been. It was for his sake and the gospels. And that's who the hundredfold return belongs to. Mm -hmm. People who are willing to step out, out of one place I remember saying as we were in that transition process, well, God's just calling us out of our comfort zone. We're just getting out of our comfort zone, just leaving what's comfortable. And we've all said that, but he, he really arrested my heart and said, you better stop saying that. He said, did I not give you the Holy Ghost who I called the comforter? So if you're outside of some place that I've called you to be in, that's not comfortable. You got to change what you call comfortable. So I quit saying that and actually began to expect that where we were walking into would be the most comfortable place we'd ever been in, but changing what we call comfortable. Comfortable on the flesh, not always. Comfortable on the the senses, not all the time, but that on the inside. That satisfaction that this guy was after, coming running to Jesus, looking for something that no money could satisfy, that it could not fill that hole on the inside. And he knew what he was. He said, I need eternal life. He came looking for it. And Jesus said that anybody willing to leave something for his sake in the Gospels would be uh, qualified for the hundredfold return. So we left. And as a matter of fact, our wedding anniversary is September 1st, 2007. 
And September 1st, 2010 was the first day of our ministry, Pearson's Ministries International, together. And so we started it. We weren't preaching anywhere. So we went to Colorado. Why? Because this dream's been alive on the inside, you know, for several years at that point now, or at least a couple of years. And uh, so we're in Colorado. We're seeking the Lord. We're praying. We're looking. We're thinking, man, what? Is it here? Are we in the city? Are we in the place? Where's it going to be? Justice was so little, three, three months old or so at the time. And um, that thing was just alive on the inside of us. Of course, at that time, we didn't find exactly where we were going to be. We came home and we just, for his sake and the gospels, preaching, ministering, singing, recording, traveling all over the world and doing what the Lord called us to do. Um, we, at some point, hired our first staff member, Caitlin Kurth, her mom and dad are here with us tonight, Dan and Ann Kurth. And uh, she was the whole staff of Pearson's Ministries International. Our offices, we had multi-site offices, our house and hers. And uh, so we... Ann's house. <laughs> yeah, Ann's house, to be more specific. And uh, man, the Lord blessed us. We grew, we were, we were growing, and, and all the while that dream's on the inside. And I don't know how many times, babe, over 2010, 2011, 2012, we went back and forth to the mountains looking for our place. Is it here? Is it there? And uh, we, we felt like it was imminent. You know what I mean? When it gets so big on the inside of you, it's like, man, this is happening Monday. If not by Tuesday, I'll be shocked, you know? And so we were going back and forth, and I think probably no less than half a dozen times we made trips up there, looking around, looking at properties that had cabins and looking at places where we could do this and build the team and so on and so on. And, uh, and it was on our last trip, I think, Sarah, at that point, were you pregnant with Jesse? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it would have been 2013, mm -hmm. uh, early on that year. We were there for the, I don't know, sixth time, seventh time maybe, and looking, we were looking at houses and property, and we got back to the house that night, and we prayed, and I remember you coming in and saying, I think I've heard from the Lord, and He says, it's not right now. We're supposed to go back to Fort Worth and just get established and do our ministry from there. And you know what? It seemed right. It seemed peaceful. And it just seemed like, well, maybe it's not the time or maybe someday we'll have a place up here and we'll, our ministry will be in Fort Worth. We'll get to come up here. We'll host people here or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we did. We came home, had another baby, got our lives all turned upside down again. It was great. And uh, over the course of time, uh, we added people to the staff, Jordan, Courtney, Lauren, now Jason and Kay, and I'll leave anybody out. That's a part of our team now. And it's just that over the years, the Lord's added people to us here and there. And uh, we got this property, not this building we're in right now, but the one you guys know across the street. Bought that in 2015, just a big warehouse. And the Lord gave Sarah plans for it and built out that space that's over there. That's where we shoot our legacy television broadcasts. It's where our offices are. We lived there for a year. I mean, it's been a lot of things. And uh, just going along, going along, going along. And I, I can't say that I was thinking every day about, you know, being up there again until, until late last year, around October of 2018. And Sarah and I went to attend a conference at Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. And I don't know if we want to get into all the details of it, but we heard from the Lord that week. And a lot of it came through our pastors 
and uh, Miss Phyllis Moore. Many of you know them. Go ahead if you yeah. want. Well, just one night we were getting ready for the service, and I heard the Lord say to me so clear on the inside, just in my heart. He said, they're going to sit you by Miss Moore tonight after the service in the minister's dinner, and what she says to you is very important. I thought, that is strange. I... I mean, that was out of nowhere. So I went in and I sat and I walked up to find out where our placement was. And sure enough, I was sitting by her, went and sat down. And I just believe the Holy Spirit began to direct our conversation. It was so God. <laughs> and um, I, I told, I just began to tell her really what was going on in my heart for the last few months that for months I've, I've just could sense a pastoral anointing. And I, I said, every time I get up to teach or anything, I started to, it was different than it had been before. And I was asking the Lord week after week, Lord, show me what's happening. Show me what, what I'm experiencing because number one, I love it. <laughs> number two, I need to know from you what this is and where we're going and what's happening. And we'd already had a word years before. Jeremy had gotten a word from the Lord and the Lord told him, you need to be fit by 40 well, his 40th birthday was coming up. This still is. Is still coming up, October. <laughs> Don't rush this, baby. Don't I rush know, it. I know, right? <laughs> and, um, man, we were, we were really, really having a sense there was something coming that we needed to be fit by, fit for, fit for the fight. And so we just, I mean, we were preparing in our hearts. There's something coming. Not to mention uh, that night, Miss Moore, I just began to pour my heart out to her, and I said, do you ever see us pastoring? And she said, yes. And she had told me years ago that she had seen us pastoring, but it wasn't time yet. We had gone to her years before that, her and Brother Moore. And uh, man, long make a long story short, she sat there and gave us wisdom, and she said, you need to find out where it is, and you need to go find it and get on with it. Now, I spoke up at that point. Uh, now, remember, I mean, this is towards the end of last year, and you, and especially you guys who've been coming to Family Night, you know we've been in a buy-up and build-out project, right? You're familiar with that. Those of you watching, many of you have seen it too. And we were believing God to buy this building that we're in right now. It's 10,000 square feet. It's got this studio. We wanted to build this whole thing out, uh, you know, fill up the rest of this place with more outreach and ministry and stuff. We felt like we'd heard from the Lord to do that in January of 18. Buy up and build out, he said. And you heard me tell it. I don't know how many times. I knew he was talking about that building across the driveway. And we're going to buy it up and we're going to build it out. And when she says, you need to go find out where you're supposed to be, my thought is... What do you mean find out? We are. I, I mean, we're in the middle of this thing. We're in the middle of this project. And, and we had prayed years ago. We thought we were supposed to be in Colorado years ago. And I told her that. I said, you know, we've prayed. And, and I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't see anything else other than Fort Worth. And she said, well, pray again, <laughs> which is some of the best advice anybody could ever give you. Pray again. Pray again. Go back before the Lord and find out where you're supposed to be, where your wealthy place is. Yes. And don't miss that turn in that intersection because that's where the wisdom of God is crying out to you to turn to lead you into that place. And so we said, okay, we'll go back and pray about it. And um, that was first week of October. By the third week of that month, we were 
Uh, we had friends in town who had come to be, do some television broadcasts with Sarah. They're from Colorado Springs, some friends of ours that are in, in ministry. And man, we got to talking and they said some things. I actually mentioned a building that was up there for sale. I wasn't thinking about Colorado at that point. I still was thinking, how do we make this work? How do we build a church in this warehouse? Where are we going to fit cars? You know, I was trying so hard to make this thing work. Here was, here was my big vision. You ready? How can we get 100 seats in there? That was it. That was my big vision. How can we, get, how can we squeeze 100 seats in that building? And these friends of ours came into town, and I don't even know why the topic of that building came up. He just mentioned that it was available. Actually, it was owned by a ministry that had it for sale. They had a sanctuary in it. They had a TV studio in it. They had offices all through it. Big place on, on, a, on a little bit of land, but it had buildings and stuff all around it. And over the next few days, that whole idea of being there started growing in us. And we felt like from the Lord, go check it out. You know, sometimes it's just that simple. Go check it out. Just go check it out. And we had also had a word from our pastors that you need to go go visit the places and the cities that you get in your heart and see where you get a witness on. Um, and we knew that it, it was, we realized finally we're looking in the wrong state. <laughs> Yeah, we were trying to make it work here, around here, and there was, right. you got to learn to recognize when, what was it Brother Hagen used to say, you're washing your feet with your socks on. Something's just not right, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that is something you can learn to identify on the inside. Yeah. And so we went to check it out. We went up to Denver, uh, flew in there. Uh, I think it was... We started visiting cities all around. November of last yeah. year, yeah. And we did not get a witness on a place while we were there. But we did go to the hotel and we began to pray and we asked the Lord, Lord, give us your heart on this church. What are you calling us to? And at, at that point, I think we believed, yes, we're, we're going to be pastoring soon. And he gave us the heart of the church first before we had the building. And isn't that awesome that the, the church is not, it it's is not, not first building. of all a building. It's yeah. not a location. It's not a place. It's the people. And, um, so he gave us the heart of it. Yeah, and we sat there in the little living room floor of that hotel room and prayed, and we, we put it down on paper, Legacy Church, raising a family in the house of faith. And that's what the Lord put in us. And most of you know the, the reasoning behind the whole concept of legacy for us. It's, it's about one thing from one generation going to the next one. That's what legacy is. And we live with an awareness of what we've been given from the generations that have gone before us. And it is that revelation of how to live and walk by grace through faith. Yeah. That's what we live with. And we live with the realization that it can't die with us that there's a generation coming after all of us that needs to hear that same truth and needs to be taught, that needs to be served with the Word of God and they need to be taught how to live by grace through faith. Yeah. And we want, we have a heart and see a vision of a place where people can come in and find out what makes somebody of faith different. Not just different from the world, but even different from the rest of the church. Somebody who will actually live and walk by faith. And how do you apply that in your own home? What's it like to raise a family in that kind of house? And she and I have some firsthand experience with that growing up in the houses that we did. And that's what the Lord put in us on that trip, raising a family in the house of faith. We went and checked out that building. 
And you know, it was, it was cool, it was big, uh, kind of a maze a little bit. We walked around, we thought, well, I guess, you know, this could be it. But we didn't have that witness, yeah. that that was the place. I wanted to tell one more thing about that night. We got to the point where we, we said to each other, you know, if it was up to us, the easy thing for us to do in life would be just to keep doing what we're doing, shoot some TV, travel and preach and minister in churches, help people as we are doing already, go on vacation when we want to go on vacation. That's the easy thing to do, right? But we came to the realization one day, we thought, we have got to start this church for Justice and Jesse. We're going to do this thing for them. And we're going to do this thing for all the children that are coming here for Titus and all of our babies here. We are going to start this thing for legacy, for the generations. And, um, and that, that was really the, probably a big part of this. Yeah. We wanted to create an atmosphere. We wanted God to have free reign in our families and to be able to talk to every generation. Yeah. And so we checked out that building and we thought, well, maybe this is it. And we came home and we had met with some folks from representatives of that ministry. And there was an excitement about us coming. There was an excitement about the, the prospect of doing that. And man, we're walking towards it and things seem like they're going in our favor and in our direction. And uh, we went and looked at it again. Actually, they called us and said, hey, you've seen the building. Do you, what do you think? And we said, well, maybe we need to go look at it again. And all along the way, there are these little confirming words that keep coming. Uh, I wish we had time to get into every one of them, but I told you months ago, quit looking for a sign and start listening for a word. Don't look for a sign to point you in the direction. Listen for a word. And Jesus said there will be a sign that will confirm the word, but the word comes first. And he gave us confirmations of the word all along the way. Went back up, checked out the building again. And I think we were thinking, okay, well, this, I guess this is where we'll be. But Sarah would ask me and others too, is this what the Lord's saying? Is this your place? And you got to know that. You got to, just like she's talking about, where is your place? You know where you're supposed to be. And I can never bring myself to say, yes, this is it. All I can say is walk it out walk it all the way out. And you know what? February got here. We'd been a couple of times to see it. We were making plans. We'd talked to the staff. We told everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. We, we want you to be there, but you got to hear from God. We all went away to a beautiful cabin for a weekend. We tried to set the mood, right? And uh, said, you guys, y'all go hear from God. You know we want you there. We, you know we want you a part of this, but you have to hear that for you and for your family. So take time, pray about it. Come talk to us when it's time. Before we got out of the state we were in, they each came to us individually and said, we're in, let's do this. And I have to tell you how much I respect every one of them because there was something for each of them to leave. A couple different families were actually building houses. It's like, thanks guys for this timing. You couldn't have told us this, you know, we could have sprung it on them a little sooner, but Sometimes I believe the Lord will give you, how do I say it, Lord? He'll give you the opportunity to leave something so that it gives you the opportunity to put value on what he values. If you're not leaving anything, then how can you really know that what you're going to is worth something to you? 
That puts value on this. When you say the plan of God is worth more to me than anything I have here, more than a house, more than land, more than anything I call comfortable, this is worth more. And you put value on his things. And so each one of them came and said, we're going, we're in. And of course, we're thrilled about that. And we're telling them, well, hey, we found a building. I think this is it. Maybe, we'll see. But you know what? We got through February and it just wasn't right. And we, we were trying to work it out with the other ministry that owned it, and it just didn't seem quite right. But we knew the church was coming. We knew in our spirit. We could, we, we could see nothing in the natural. Nothing. We could see nothing out here that told us, yes, you're going on the right trail. Yes, you're on the right path. You got it, guys. Go for it. Nobody was telling us that except for maybe our pastors. But we, we, were, we had nothing except for the witness of the Spirit except for God stirring up our spirit and saying, guys, come on, go on this adventure. Keep going. I even went to the Lord and I had a, my soul was like really, I was feeling tired because I was pressing toward this one thing, this building. And then to find out this isn't going to work out. And I'm like, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we, what's going to happen here? I've told my whole staff that we're picking up and we're leaving and we're moving across the country. What do we do? And I remember hearing the Lord say, Sarah, don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. You'll find it. I'll help you find it. Keep going. Don't quit. And I said, okay, Lord, I trust you. But see, I had to trust him without seeing, without feeling, without knowing. Nothing made sense in the natural. And we just kept on. And one day, Jeremy came to me and he said, Sarah, I saw something online. He's like, it was nothing. But look at this. And it was this property that was for sale. I have to add to it that after that other building didn't work out, she's right. It's where I coined the term solar coaster. When your soul just feels like it's been up and then it goes down and then it comes up and you feel like you're on a solar coaster ride. And uh, so we purposed, we're going to sit at the house. We're not going anywhere for almost a week, three or four days at least. And we're just going to seek the Lord. We're going to press into the Word. We're going to press into His presence. And we did. It was cold outside. We pulled up two chairs by the fire. And we sat ourselves down and sought the Lord together. Which is a huge part of finding out where you're supposed to be. You have to set aside time. If it's days, sit there with God and each other and seek the Lord. There's a lot of praying and seeking that has to happen. That has to, if you want to know, if you really want to see clearly and you want to know, and we had to do that. We had to be sure of this thing. This is not something you just up and decide to do. This is something you have to know without a shadow of a doubt. Yes, God's telling me to do this. And so it was in that atmosphere of those days where I'd seen this thing online and I didn't think too much of it at first. Um, But then that thought came to me again to show her. And man, as soon as I did, she flipped she got so excited about it. And I thought, well, what am I missing here? And the more I looked at it, the more excited I got about it. And it, and in one moment, brought back all that vision from 10 years ago about where we saw ourselves and what we saw ourselves doing and how we saw ourselves living life. And the more we looked at it, the more we realized this is good because it was, at first glance, 71 acres of land that's right on the highway, but goes up into the mountains. And on that 71 acres is a 30,000 square foot facility. That's been a couple of things, I think, over the course of its life, but uh, got to looking at it, it's got a big gym 
that can be converted to a sanctuary. It's got offices. It's got place for children. That just so happens to be zoned for a church. <laughs> and in addition to the land and to the sanctuary, this property has nine different cabins on it. And uh, I, when I saw him, I didn't think much about it, but she's the one who reminded me of that vision from all those years ago. And then we got to looking at it and realized that this same owner who's selling this property had two more 40-acre parcels for sale that attached to this property in different places and then was surrounded by thousands of acres of national forest. It's a beautiful place. And all those years ago, when we were in Colorado looking for our place, and we're, you know, we're doing what you do. We're looking online. We're, we're looking around, driving around, looking at different things. The Lord stopped us in the middle of it. And he said, I want to tell you 10 things about your property, 10 things you need to know about it and how it impacts the kingdom of God. And that way, when you know these 10 things, then when you actually see the place, you'll recognize it because it'll do these 10 things. And I won't take time to walk you through all of them, but I will tell you the number one thing on that list was it will cause all who step on it to look up. It will cause all who step on it to look up. And we started looking at this place and I thought, yeah, it would do that. I mean, it's beautiful. It's set on the side of a mountain. The highway runs right through the valley. You look up over to the other side of the mountain and you're, you look out over and and this 14,000-foot mountains just right there in the distance a little bit, you look up in a hurry. And we got pretty excited. And we had found a realtor just days before that. Sarah asked her, will you go check this out? You want to tell her what she said? Uh, she, she told me, she said, um, I went and visited it, and I know this property. She said, you are looking at a gold mine. And come to find out it it really was what we were they were asking for she's like i have no idea why they're asking this for it and we we found out that just for a series of events that they were asking a low price for because they were ready to sell and um we ended up negotiating all of the land with the, the other two 40 acre parcels so we ended up getting 151 acres total with the building all the cabins landlocked to the thousands of acres of national forest land that means that no one can build behind us we know what's going on there um, right off the highway direct access only 15 minutes from Colorado Springs and 10 minutes to Woodland Park uh, we're right there in this really special place called the Ute Pass it's pretty awesome and um, we now have it under contract. So pretty awesome. God helped us get there. And man, it just led us for like six months on this major adventure of finding this place and this whole thing. I mean, it took just steps of faith all the way through it. And there's no, you just, you walk and you, you go with your heart and you don't really know by what you see or what you feel, but you just go for it. And it was just an, an awesome adventure and it has been so fun to walk out. And, and what we're experiencing again that we experienced all those years ago was him asking us to leave something again. And uh, you get to the place where you realize this is how he does things. He helps you identify what you've had more faith in than Him, and He'll ask you to leave it. And it was a big step for us to step outside of my family's ministry 
And I believe the Lord honored that step. We've seen it. We've seen His hand on the ministry. We've experienced the growth and the, the effectiveness and uh, the people that receive the ministry materials and the testimonies, the glory stories that come in from people. And well, I mean, we've, we've been to places all over the world and the Lord has honored it and He's honored us and He's blessed us. And here we are again, Him going, okay, time to leave time to leave. I mean, here we are. We've, we've bought this building. We're working on this next one. And he says, time to leave. But the only motivation for this is his sake in the gospels. Amen. The motivation behind the launch of a new church is his sake in the gospels. It's, it's not for any personal gain. And that's really the difference between somebody who is a minister and somebody who manipulates people for a living. A minister is trying to get something to people. A manipulator is trying to get something from people. And if we go with the motivation to establish this work and get the word to the people, get life to the people, get strength, get health, get help, get healing, get hope to the people. If you're motivated by getting something to them, you're motivated by his sake in the gospels. And there's a hundredfold return on the other side of that step but he's asking us to leave something. Yeah. And I can't tell you how excited we are to say yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Didn't you feel like Abraham in, in Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's what I felt like through the whole thing. Yeah. And I feel like that that's what real faith is. And like we talk about, you have to step out over the aching void with nothing under your feet but the Word of God. Amen. That's real faith. No, Maybe not any job security, maybe not a house to go to, maybe not uh, security of no kind except for your trust in God. Yeah. And that's, that's real Bible faith. Hebrews chapter 11, Bible faith. That is where the rubber meets the road. And it is awesome. But man, uh, it, it's, it is for everyone, but it's not for the faint of heart. Amen. Amen. So it's under contract. It's not done. We're still working towards some things. Things are going very well. Uh, but we couldn't stay quiet about it anymore. We wanted to tell you guys about it. Would you like to see it? Anybody like to see it? Then 151 acres that open up into the mountains. And we are so thankful that this is the direction right now that we're headed in. And, you know, we've been involved in this buy up and build out project. And when the Lord started directing our attention here in the middle of this, I had to go back and pray. I said, Lord, did we just miss it? Did I get it wrong? He said, no, the assignment's still the same. The assignment is still to build a platform from which you'll reach the nations. But that's when he started talking to me about course corrections. He said, it's still the same. It's just in a different location than you thought it was. And I'm so grateful that we launched the project when we did because you responded and our partners responded and the Lord responded to our faith and the money began coming in for it. And if we hadn't stepped out with just the little bit of light that we had, the little bit of direction that we had, if we hadn't taken that step, we wouldn't have on hand, uh, you know, leading up to this moment, some of the things that we needed to make this step. And so the same project is still wide open. What we were believing God for in this building is a 10,000 square foot uh, building. We were claiming $100 a square foot. 
to buy up and build out this building. Project's the same. Three times the size, but it's the same. It's a 30,000 square foot building, and we're believing God for $100 a square foot to buy it up. At, that, at $100 a square foot, we can pay for the whole thing. It gives us money to get the doors open and begin having church, and we are aiming right now for the fall of 2019. Now, this is what's cool. You ready for this? Yesterday, um, Sarah and I had been invited by Brother Keith and Miss Phyllis to come to Faith Life Church Branson. We've been talking to them about this project along the way, and uh, they've been helping us see our way through it. And they said, we want you guys to come and just tell the vision of the church, and we want the church to get involved with you in it. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we know firsthand they're believing God for big things in their own lives, their own ministry, and yet they say, hey, come in here and tell these people about it and let them sow into it. We just felt like that was such a kingdom example of how to do things. So we went last night, and I guess, babe, that would have been the official launch of the project. So we were believing God, 30,000 square feet, $100 a square foot to buy up and to build out. And we started the day with, technically speaking, zero square feet, we came home last night with 10,000 square feet paid for. 10,000. Sorry, it feels like you didn't hear me. 10,000, not $10,000, 10,000 square feet paid for. That is a third of this whole project in a night. Somebody say in a night. In, a, in one offering, in a night. We were happy last night. We, we went to bed around 2 o'clock this morning, just ear to ear, smiling, just soaking in it, going, Lord Jesus, what did you just do? What, what did you just do? And folks, if he can do that in a night, think about what he can do over the next few days, the next few weeks, the next few months. And man, we are in it. We are ready to pour into it. Sarah and I have invested in it personally. We know our staff is. And we know that we've, many of you have already poured in, in, into it. Many of you watching, our partners from all over the world, have already poured into it. And if it's okay with you, we're going to take what you've done and we're just going to course correct it. It's the same assignment. It's the same project. Buy up, build out. It's just in a much prettier location. <laughs> but we are so thrilled and so excited about what God has already done. Did you hear me? 10,000 square feet got paid for in a night. In a night, I mean, that puts us miles down the road from where we were 24 hours ago. That's how good our God is. That's how faithful he is. Father, we worship you. We magnify you and praise you. Thank you for the good work that you've begun. We call you faithful to finish it. Faithful to finish. Because you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And the good work that you started, you will complete. We worship you and we praise you. We magnify you for it in Jesus' name. Father, we dedicate our lives, our time, our strength, effort, and energy to you in the next few days and weeks in the coming months. We ask you, sir, for an increase of your strength and your ability, your grace and anointing on our lives to do this. We've already seen it. Miraculous things already taking place. And we live with great expectation for the next 10,000 feet to get paid for and the ones that follow that and all the buildup that needs to take place. I declare that the money for this project will not 
not be a problem. It's all coming in and all the glory of it will go to you in Jesus' name. And this place will be a place that people will step foot on and it will cause them to look up. Not look at us, not look at Jeremy, Sarah, or this team, but to look up to look up to a good and faithful Father God and they will lift up their eyes to the mountains where their help comes from. The creator of the heavens and the earth, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you for it, Lord, and we thank you for the good things, the great things, the greater things that are yet to come. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We magnify you and praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for being a part of this with us along the way. And there's three things I want to tell you about quickly. You've been patient. My goodness, forgive us. It's been a long one tonight. But three things when it comes to the launch of this church. First of all, let me tell you this before I say that. The heart, at the heart of Legacy Church, is this unyielding conviction that Jesus was, is, and will always be the answer. Because He's Jesus for every generation. The same Jesus that saved our parents and grandparents and great-parents and the same Jesus that changed their lives and taught them how to live and thrive and flourish is the Jesus that has impacted us and is the Jesus that will change the generation that's coming after us. He is Jesus for every generation. We believe that and we'll preach that. And we will serve our generation with the Word of God teaching them how to live by grace through faith, how to experience whole life prosperity, and how to raise a family in the house of faith. That's the heartbeat of this church. Those, those things right there. And um, I want to say this to you, those of you especially who are partners with us, those of you watching on television right now, we invite you to be a part of this in whatever way the Lord would lead you to be a part of it. There's a team going and the Lord's bringing people to us and it's an amazing, miraculous, marvelous thing. But we invite you to go before the Lord and find out what your part in is. Your part in it is you can pray with us, you can give with us, or you can go with us. We invite you to pray with us and, and make it a part of every day and speak the same thing over it that we are. We're claiming extra strength. We're claiming extra ability. We're claiming extra grace to get this thing launched and going. Pray with us about that. Pray with us about the people that are called to be there. A part of this local church with a global call. Give to it. Find out what your assignment is if you've got one uh, financially to partner in this thing and do it knowing that every seed reproduces after its own kind. And I've told you for months and months before that whatever you're believing God to buy up and build out, invest somewhere in the kingdom in somebody who's buying up and building out and be a part of this. If the Lord leads you to do that, be a part of this with us financially. Pray with us, give with us, and here's one, go with us. It's going to take people. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were a number of people in this room are watching right now on television that your heart's beating real fast right now. Find out what that's about. It's not everybody. I understand that. Many of you are planted in a life-giving place. Stay there. Don't unhook. But there may be some of you like us going, Lord, where's our sanctuary? Where's the place where we prosper? Where's the place where we see your glory and your power? Yeah. And... Where's the place where we raise our families? 
Yeah. And where's the place where we're fed? Yeah. And find out if it's with us. If it is, come on somebody. <laughs> but if it's not, I'm telling you, it's somewhere. Yeah, find yeah. out where it is. Find out where it is. Priority numero uno. That's Spanish for <laughs> right away. <sighs> but find out. Find out. Find out. Pray with us. Give with us. Go with us. Is anybody else excited about this? Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for hearing our hearts on it tonight. I think I thought it might take about a half hour less than this, but sometimes you just got to pour it all out. This stuff's been living in here for a long time. Can I tell you the yeah. scripture that God gave us for this church? And you may have seen it on the, on the screen. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, the very last verse of the chapter. It says, To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to every generation forever and ever. And we just came to the point where we realized the place that we were going to be able to give Him, Jesus, the most glory was in the sanctuary, in the local church. So we're really excited that we get to have a local church with a global call. But I just believe that a church is not a business or an organization. A church is supposed to be a family. And you need to know who your family is. Who is it that you're called to do life with? Who is it that God has joined you to? And it could be us. It could be where you're at. It could be somewhere else. We're not, we're not trying to get you to come. <laughs> but it is worth finding out from God who He says you're joined to and who He wants you connected to and where you belong. Where is your place in the body? Where has He set you? Wealthy place. Go. Get, get on your face in His presence until you know and you find out because it will determine the course of your life and your children's lives. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.